Thank you. Nice singing, by the way. You could have been there when they recorded that originally with all their friends, Mick Jagger and such. So is that true? All you need is love? Don't you need other things too? I'm sure you probably do. But it probably can be said that anything good, if it is truly good, comes out of love. As my professor at Luther says, the seven virtues in Christian tradition are nothing but footnotes or applications of one virtue, and that virtue is love that expresses itself in different ways. So I'd have to agree with John, Paul, George, and Ringo. All you need is love. Jesus certainly did. When asked which commandment was the most important one in the law, Jesus famously said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, love pretty much sums up everything God wants to say. And contrary to what the Beatles suggest, no, it's not always easy, as the refrain goes. Both of these kinds of love that we find in our text and in our, in our series, love God and love neighbor, are possible because, and they're possible only because, God first loved us. And, and as Karen beautifully reminded us in the children's sermon, God loved us and made us clean by forgiving us and cleansing us so that we are free to love. As God reminded the Israelites in his preface before the commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who delivered you from slavery. And then it goes on to the first commandment and the rest. So, so, the, so the real sense of this, do you, you get the flow of it? I am the Lord your God, therefore, it's a result clause, therefore, you shall have no other gods, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, etc., etc. It all follows from, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who delivered you from slavery. And again, why did God deliver the Hebrews from slavery? Why did God send his son to be one of us and to die in order that we might live? Can you answer that? Bullseye. Love. So with the commandments, God is really saying, well, I have shown you what really matters. Love that emanates from me. So ride that wave of love that I am sending to you. Surf that wave. If you can't surf, then just paddle along. But ride that wave. Ride it and go. Do likewise. Love me and love those around you. So, how might we love someone like God, who is not exactly our next-door neighbor? You ever struggle with that question? Yeah, I'd like to love God, but I don't... Where is God? Love God by thanking God 
for the many gifts that have come your way. By trusting in God's faithfulness to you, for it is true, you've been set free. Whether you feel like it or not all the time, you've been set free from the power of sin and death and set free to love your neighbor. And because your neighbor matters as much to God, just as much to God as you do, love God by loving your next-door neighbor. We're back to the next-door neighbor and your distant neighbor. In fact, it can be said that the primary way that we love God day in and day out is to love our neighbor. We don't have to try to please God or appease God. or That's been taken care of. Go love your neighbor, God says. As Pete reminded us last week, we can't separate ever the love of God and love of neighbor. Flip sides of the same coin. The kind of love spoken of in this text from Exodus and others is, the Greek word for it is agape love, a love made fully real in Jesus. This love that comes from God is not based primarily on feeling, however, which is how we usually think of love. It's a feeling. Feelings come and go and are not the basis for love because feelings are too fickle. Agape love is heart, soul, and mind, and feeling as well. It is a commitment of one's whole being to the well-being of another, to the other. So when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, he's not telling us to feel affection for them necessarily because that, that may not be possible, frankly. But to act in the best interests of that person because that person matters to God. That's what agape love does. And so, on this, the final Sunday in our series on the Ten Commandments, we will speak of the spirit of the law, the spirit and the animating force of the commandments, because more than anything else, love tells you who God is and who we are called to be 24-7. Let me share with you a chapter in our um, shared history that witnesses to love in a beautiful way. Um, I had the privilege, uh, along with Heidi, of being in Switzerland last week, uh, celebrating, or was I trying to forget, my 60th birthday. Yes, we, uh, we had a wonderful time in Switzerland, and it's, it's, all, it, it, it's all that is cracked up to be uh, without a doubt, which is, which is saying a lot. Uh, permit me a few pictures, a shameless travelogue, if you will. Yeah, that's a fairly lovely place. I feel like there should be music along with this. Okay, so Switzerland, and after we had consumed enough Swiss chocolate and Swiss cheese fondue, after we had purchased his and hers Swiss army knives and Swiss watches, after we were done yodeling all the way to the bank to open our discreet Swiss bank account, 
There were other things that got our attention about Swiss culture, history, and character besides these things and the mountains and the beauty. Uh, and it's this. Despite producing the Swiss Guard, anyone ever heard of the Swiss Guard? An elite army that guards the Pope and has for centuries. The Swiss decided hundreds of years ago that they would be neutral in the various war games of aggression that were taking place around them on a regular basis. This they have largely done for the last four or five hundred years. Their flag is a symbol of this neutrality and non-aggression. Perhaps you've seen that symbol of the Swiss flag. But what really took this whole notion of neutrality, and we're not going to engage in the conflicts, took it up a notch, was in 1859 when Henry Dunant, a Swiss citizen, witnessed the carnage of a war while he was on a business trip to northern Italy. As the Austrians and the French had laid waste to one another and been doing battle, 40,000 people lay dead or wounded on a battlefield in northern Italy. It was at that time that uh, Dunant felt called to step onto the battlefield to tend to the wounded, regardless of which side they were on. It was a bold statement about humanity, that anyone who was in need of assistance would be tended to. And so a movement, in fact, was born, a movement of volunteers who had uh, at least some kind of skill to offer to help the wounded uh, after battle. The movement is called the Red Cross, which soon became Red Cross International. Now, it was uh, clear when we were there that uh, the Swiss take great pride in founding this movement. And it is no accident that the symbol for the Red Cross is the inverted symbol for the nation of Switzerland. I don't know if you noticed that the first uh, go-around. And so, in the midst of the tragedy that nations over and over again fight and kill one another, a counter-proposal rises up out of love, a counter-proposal to the saber rattling that often characterize nations that get, that get too whipped up about their own flag, with no incentive for personal gain or profit, there is the impulse to help the wounded, the broken, whoever they may be. And while neutrality keeps people out of <coughs> conflicts altogether, the Red Cross brings them into it, calls them into it as healers and caregivers, picking up the broken pieces. Isn't that a lovely little story? And there are other stories around it. This whole Red Cross story is quite inspiring and moving to me. It reminds me of our role as Christians in the world and what the commandments ask. To give love a chance. To be healers, life givers, peddlers of hope. The ravages of sin, as we know, leave no one untouched in this world. Through the Ten Commandments, we are called to practice a love that protects our neighbors and seeks their well-being. We are also called to a love that picks up the pieces with and for our neighbor. Let's uh, finally uh, turn our attention to some national news and ask the question of love that Scripture asks of us daily. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Recently, we've all been hearing a lot 
about the children who are separated from their parents at the border. This has rightfully come under blistering attack from, from both sides. And of all the lame excuses offered for such a course of action, the most lame of all has been attempts to defend this as a Christian act. As the reasoning goes, uh, well, it's too bad about the children, but the law is the law, and God always wants us to obey the law. And people in high places have been peddling such uh, nonsense. For a follower of Christ, the question is always one of love. How we treat our neighbor, no matter who that is, is always governed by what Jesus tells us in Matthew, love your neighbor as yourself. So what does love require? Is separating children from their parents an act of love? Or is it something else? Here's another example from the news. The wedding cake guy from Colorado. Someone who clearly wants to do the right thing in the eyes of God. In refusing to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple, is he, is he loving his neighbor? There's little question the gay couple are the man's neighbors. Is that love? Might be. I bring up these two examples for us because they illustrate in my mind a misuse of a Christian devotion to the law of God. They assume that love is subservient to the law while it is the opposite. Nothing is farther from the truth. The law is subservient to love and, in fact, is formed by it. The law, in any form, is supposed to be what love looks like in the public arena when it is no longer about love and serves the common good to build up life that it may flourish and thrive. The law is useless and must be revised according to love. So what does it mean to show love to the families at the border or to gay couples with whom you may disagree on some level? I think that love means you want them, no matter who they are, to have a good life. And you will do what you can in whatever small way in the midst of your imperfections and theirs to contribute to their life thriving. That doesn't necessarily we mean that, that we let everyone into the country. Nor does it mean that we all agree with same-sex marriage. But through it all, Jesus calls us to the recognition that our neighbors are human beings. Even our enemies are human beings. And as such, we are to treat them as human beings who are made in the image of God. We are to love them. What would be so bad about baking the cake for the gay couple, not because you agree with their marital status necessarily, but because you recognize this is, in fact, who they are. Broken people like you and me trying to find companionship and love in this world and to be whole and contributing human beings. It's not what we're all trying to do. And now you have a chance to make a symbolic gesture encouraging them in their relationship or, or, to discourage them by essentially saying you want nothing whatsoever to do with them. Well, if we are commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves, this means that regardless of compromises you think they're making, it's better for them to have a good life together that is stable, that is in a committed relationship, 
And that's better than a relationship that is a painful, fractured one. That it's better for society if their relationship makes it than if it breaks apart. For an increasing number of people in our society, when they think of Christians, they do not think of love. This is just a fact. Read any survey. What they think of increasingly is persons who are self-righteous and unyielding people who seem more angry and hateful than loving. I know this doesn't describe all of us, and you, but collectively there is an impression. People who love the law more than they love people. Again, that's a problem because any good law exists to make sure that people are loved and protected so that their lives might thrive. The Ten Commandments remind us that we are shaped by love and called to love. May your life be a testimony to the idea that all you need is love. Amen.